Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. When life gives you lemons, how are you going to respond? I believe God wants us to take the opportunities when we all of a sudden get thrown a difficulty or trouble down our way. God wants us to take the opportunity to make the most out of those things. And sometimes we need the fruit of the Spirit in our life, unlike Pastor Tom had this morning. Sometimes you need that fruit of the Spirit. The list of qualities that the Apostle Paul writes in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 are the fruit of the Spirit. They're qualities of what the, what's going to happen in your life because the Spirit of God, if you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Spirit of God living inside of you, and, and He directs you. How many of you have ever felt the direction of God in your life before? Have you? Yeah. He directs you. He says, don't do that. And I felt that this morning, but I just kept pushing you know, beyond it. So you got to know when to stop. But Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23 says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these sayings. It's the Holy Spirit living within us that produce great results in our life. Today I want to discuss the last two qualities that are listed in Galatians 5.23, and that is gentleness and self-control. Since the South Coast Christian kids said that, uh, that self-control was the most difficult of all the qualities to achieve, we're going to start off with self-control. Um, I'm going to start off with another story. I feel like story time this morning. Is that okay? So some of you know that Annette and I took one of our uh, trip of a lifetime for us. Was we went to Italy like two or three months ago, and we had been saving up our money for quite some time to be able to do this trip. She's been wanting to go to Italy, and we visited Rome and Venice and, and uh, Florence. And, and on our way to the, to the airport, the day that we were about ready to leave, we were all excited. And we got to the airport, and uh, we arrived there. And I had bought, uh, I didn't, couldn't afford business class or anything like that, but I had bought for extra legroom. So I upgraded our seats for a little extra legroom. So we get to the airport, and we arrived at the airport. I go up to the counter. And the person behind the counter, the clerk behind the counter, informed me that our seats were no longer available. I'm thinking, wait a minute, I paid for those seats. It was like $150 upgrade. I thought, they're not available. Well, they're not available. And she said, in fact, if you and your wife want to sit together, you're going to have to pay extra so that you can sit together. True story. Now, I'm starting on vacation, and I thought, I am not going to let this set in my spirit as I start on this vacation that we've been waiting for so long. So I just pulled out my you know, fancy little credit card and said, well, here you go. In my mind, I'm thinking, I'm going to resolve this when I get back off vacation, but I'm not going to deal with it now. So I paid for the upgrade. So it's all good. So we get onto the airplane, and as we're going onto the airplane, I soon discover that I no longer have an aisle seat, but now I have a window seat. I'm thinking, again, using my self-control through the Spirit, when life gives you lemons, how are you going to respond? I think, well, you know what? It's good that I have a, aisle, or a window seat. It's a nine-hour flight. There's probably going to be lots of sights that I go, I'm going to want to see. And so I'm trying to make the best of everything on this vacation. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever been there before? You just don't want anything to ruin your vacation. So we, we sit down. I'm in there and in that seat. And, you know, the seat is like it fits like a glove, a glove that's two sizes too small. And that's where I'm in. It's this seat. And I'm just, you know. So the plane leaves the tarmac. Where it's up in the air. It's flying out. I'm thinking, oh, 
we're on our way to Italy, I'm going to relax, and I go to, you know, put that little silver button on your arm that reclines your seat, and I go to press that, and it just jingles. It's just like, it's, there's nothing there, it just, it's broken. I can't recline my seat. I'm on a nine-hour flight, and I'm like, cram, I can't recline my seat. I'm thinking, and you know, I'm going to this mode where maybe it's broken, but maybe I still can push it back. You know what I'm saying? So I plant my feet real hard on the ground, and I'm just pushing back, you know, trying to see if I can get that seat to go back. Now I'm, I'm really taking on the persona of a two-year-old. That two-year-old that is in the car seat, you know, and they're trapped, all of a sudden my head's starting to go back, my, I'm starting to go like this, and I, I stopped myself, I'm not a two-year-old, I'm an adult, I can't do that. True story, true story. I just... I went up, that's not pointing to God, that's pointing to the flight attendant. I pressed the flight attendant button. <laughs> pressed the flight attendant button. The flight attendant came in, really nice gal. She says, I'm so sorry that our, our flight is completely full. There's absolutely no seats on the, on the airline. I'm so sorry that your seat is broken. And as she's talking, man, in my mind, is every seat really taken? You know, I'm thinking through it right now. Is every seat, I'm going on a reconnaissance mission, you know. I'm going to go look for if there's any seat that's available on that plane. Is first class, is every ticket, every seat in first class really taken, you know. It's going through my mind until I'm thinking, wait a minute, I can't leave my wife at the Economy Hotel while I'm enjoying vacay in the Ritz-Carlton, you know. <laughs> so I just start thinking back, I, I can't do that. So I'm making the best of things. There's a little TV in front of me, and, and I can't recline, so it's sitting about right here. And, but I'm looking at it. Everything's going okay until the gentleman in front of me reclines his seat. Now the TV is no longer at chest level. It's basically in my lap, and I'm looking at the wrinkles in his forehead. I'm sharing this story because self-control. I'm at this point, I've literally come to the end of my human abilities. I am losing it, right? On, I understand how people can lose it on an airplane. I am starting to lose it. And I finally just say, I got to get out of here. And I jump up. And I, it's like I'm, you know, climbing a cliff wall. I'm going like this to get out of that seat. <laughs> and I go spend the next three or four hours over where the flight attendants stay there in the, in the middle of the plane, in the galley. And I'm standing there. And I was thinking about today... Not then, but now I'm thinking about today, and about how self-control is an important part of our life. How do we remain calm in the midst of a storm? As the kids stated in the video, self-control is not always easy. It's why it's one of the fruit of the Spirit. There's times when we end, come to the end of our rope where we just need the Spirit of God to take control and to help us and intervene in our life. The self-control that the Apostle Paul is talking about is a self-control that is empowered by the Spirit of God. It's having the ability to submit to your passion or submit your passions and desires into God's control. It's surrendering your natural responses and allowing God to lead you into a better response. Not always easy to accomplish, but God will give you the strength if you choose to trust in him. It's making a choice not to give in to temptation. Sometimes we have a temptation. It could be maybe someone does something and you just want to share that word. Or, or maybe, it's, maybe it's some type of 
temptation of sin. and It's choosing to use self-control and not going down a road that the enemy is trying to egg you on to. How are you going to respond when life gives you lemons? Self-control in this scripture really carries the idea of restraint. Some translations define self-control as temperance, which is a word that is not often used in today's language. You don't necessarily always hear about temperance. In fact, the root word of temperance is what? Temper. And when we think of temper, many times we think of someone who has you know, the inability to control their anger. You know, they have a temper. We say that, we say that comment. It comes out as a negative connotation. But there is another meaning of temper, which means calmness of mind or composure. When someone tempers something, it can mean that you're actually softening something. You, you, you tempered your comment so not to offend. So see, temper, we just use it in the sense of someone getting angry, but temper is actually more of an emotion of how you're feeling. So that's why they said that person has a bad temper. You could actually almost say that person has a good temper because it's a temperament of their emotions. Temper can also strengthen or make more resilient through hardship. Have you ever heard of tempered glass? You ever heard what that? How they make tempered glass is they take glass and they heat it up really hot and they bring it down really cold and they heat it up really hot and they bring it down really cold. They do this several times and what it does, it makes the glass four or five times harder than normal glass. And if tempered glass breaks, it's used a lot of times for safety, if tempered glass breaks, it shatters. So like your car windows are tempered glass. It won't break off in jagged edges. It breaks off in smooth little stones and it shatters. You've seen that probably happen before. As I was thinking about that, I was viewing self-control in a very similar fashion. Self-control allows you to go through a process of heating and cooling. And this process makes you stronger as a person. Even when you come to your breaking point, and instead of looking to hurt someone, what you can do is you can draw closer to Jesus. Scripture says that Jesus heals the brokenhearted. When we have self-control, we're allowing Jesus to take control of some of the things that we are out of, but we have no control over. Practicing self-control gives God the opportunity to fight on your behalf. I've seen this so many times when someone doesn't have self-control and they go out and they do something and they regret it and it's so hard for God to be able to intervene on your behalf because you've taken things into your own hands. He wants you to release it and give it into his hands. Paul writes these words in Romans chapter 12, 19, verse 19. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say... I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. If you don't know this, the Lord is just. He's good, and because he's good, he's just. And so there's times that we want to take things into our own hands. Let's have self-control. Let's allow God to deal with those things. And don't go home and start praying, God, God, I just want you to deal with that person. I want you to take them out right now. No, just let God be sovereign. And you just keep on... Serving the Lord, loving the Lord, and using self-control in your life. Practicing self-control makes room for, the, for all the other godly qualities to shine through your life. So we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And as I was thinking about this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all these different things, I was thinking about 
the idea of self-control allows those other qualities to be visible in your life. If you're a person that struggles with self-control, guess what? Love might not be as evident in your life. Joy might not be as evident in your life. Peace might not be as evident. You need self-control in your life. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's an important one. For example, the other quality that we are focusing on today is gentleness. It's hard to have gentleness if you don't have self-control. It really is difficult. Gentleness works hand-in-hand with self-control. Gentleness is a, is a fascinating topic that is seldom discussed. Maybe the reason is because so much of us in America, we look at gentleness as probably something that is more in a category of weakness. Yet the gentleness that is described in the Bible is defined as gentle strength. Gentle strength. It's expressing power with restraint or self-control. It has nothing common with weakness. Nothing common with weakness. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit means that it comes from the Spirit of God into our lives. Our God is not weak. There's nothing weak about our God. And yet our God is gentle. He has strength, gentle strength that he shows in our life. Gentleness should be seen as power under control. Power under control. I remember going to the post office several years ago, and we were mailing a package. Uh, I think it was to Seattle, and Annette had bought it. it was, I think it was a Christmas gift, and it was something that was breakable, and she had packaged it up all real nice, put the foam in there and everything, and she wrote fragile all over the box. And I took the, the, the package into the post office, and the, the, the postman, he, he put, the, put it on the meter, he put the postage on there, and, and, and then he proceeds behind, he's behind the counter, and behind him about six to eight feet is this big bin, and he just takes that box and tosses it back there into the bin. You've experienced the same thing. And I'm going, can't you read? It's fragile, man. Why do you, there's no gentleness on it, he just tosses it over there and throws it in. And I started thinking about it. You see, it wasn't his contents. He didn't really care about that package like we cared about it. We wrote fragile. It, wasn't, it just wasn't his. And so he didn't even think about it. He, didn't even, he just threw it behind him. He showed no gentleness towards the item because it wasn't his. Gentleness is displaying power that is under control. It's a, it's a picture, think of it this, it's a picture of an elephant that's been tamed. He's been tamed or he's been trained, like in India they would use elephants, you know, to, to, do, to build buildings, to clear land, because they had to be tamed. It's gentleness under control, because that elephant we all know has extreme power, but he's been tamed in such a way that he uses that power under control. There's a gentleness. In Proverbs it states this. In Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And I was thinking about gentleness. One of the greatest areas in our life that we can practice gentleness is in the area of our tongue. So many times it's so easy to all of a sudden just take and boom, and shoot out something that can be harmful or hurtful or, or cause pain to someone else. And we need to use the power of the tongue. James writes about it. 
In the book of James, if you're struggling with your, with your vocabulary, the, the way you say words, read the book of James. There's five chapters, and my kids have read it multiple times when they were growing up. Because there's power in the tongue. And how we use that power, we need to use it with gentleness. Power under control. Think about how God responds to us. He responds with gentleness. God has the power to destroy but he loves us and restrains his power to help us and to direct us. In the same way as followers of Jesus Christ, we choose to lead with gentleness and self-control. Remember, gentleness is not weakness. Gentleness is displaying power under control. Jesus is one of the greatest examples that we can ever have of gentleness. How he worked with the woman at the well, how he... How he, how he took on Zacchaeus when Zacchaeus was up in the tree. There's a gentleness about it. Even though he was the son of God, he had power. So here's the question I have for you today. How do we practice gentleness and self-control in our lives? The first step I want to share with you is this. Understand God's gentleness. Have you ever considered that in God's eyes, we deserve death because of our sin? If you read the Old Testament, if you understand, it's why it's important to read the Old Testament along with the New Testament, because in the Old Testament, you discover the whole sacrificial system that was, that was set up, all the Old Testament laws that were set up because God wanted to reveal to us that we were sinners and we were going to die in our sins without a Savior. We need a Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. We deserve death, but instead of destroying us, God gave us the option to experience eternal life through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. God's strength is under, is under such control that he even sent his very own son, Jesus, to be the sacrifice for our sins. So Jesus actually took on the penalty of death for you and for me. That's gentleness under control. The willingness to sacrifice his own son for, your, for his love for you. Gentleness. Gentleness is the ability to control your power to produce good results. I'm going to say it again. Gentleness is the ability to control your power to produce good results. You can either produce bad results or good results. And a lot of it has to do with the gentleness, the way that you use the power. If you're an authority, if you're a manager, if you oversee people, if you're a father or a mother with your children, it, it's important to have gentleness in your leadership. Psalms 103 in the Message Bible states this. Psalms 103, verses 10 and 11. So strong is his love to those who fear him, God's love for us is strong, but his strength is under control. God has not crushed us or treated us as our sin deserves. Instead, with gentleness, God's love has touched us. God has shown us his love, loving and gentle touch. This should encourage all of us to lead and respond with gentleness. Your gentleness can make a difference in another person's life. It can change the direction and the course of their life just by practicing gentleness in your life. How you respond to others should reflect God's love and gentleness. The second step in practicing gentleness and self-control is this. Submit to God's will. Part of gentleness, in fact, if you look up that word gentleness that's used in Galatians 5.23, if you actually look it up, part of that 
part of that mean of gentleness is the willingness to be submissive. It's the it's willingness to have humility. Being able to relinquish control to God. It's allowing God to use you in whatever role that is needed. It's choosing to lay down pride to follow his calling for your life. The biggest struggle that I've had in life, and probably many of you have had the same situation, is sometimes it's hard to lay down our own desires. Okay, I'm the only one. That's okay. It's hard to lay down our own desires and allow God to have control and lead us. There's times I spent almost a year in misery when I was getting, being called into Vegas to go to Vegas to help plant a church. And I was struggling with that. We had three little kids. I didn't want to go to Vegas. And yet in my heart, I knew God was calling us. And my pride just wasn't going to go there. And finally, literally, it be, we became so miserable because we were outside of God's will that we chose to go to Vegas. Guess what took place? Vegas was a tremendous and wonderful experience in our family's life. You might not think that because it's labeled Sin City. Guess what? There's people in Vegas that need Jesus. There's a lot of great Christians in Vegas. And we started to build a community, and our children actually developed further and further going after God because we followed his will. There's times where we just need to submit to God's will in our life. Many times we enter life with an entitlement attitude. We have an expectation of what we deserve. We don't want to serve. We want to be served. Yet Jesus, the Son of God, humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. He relinquished control to God. What did he say when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane? He said, not my will, but thy will be done. He relinquished control. He said, I'm going to submit to your will, God. How many times in our lives do we choose not to submit where God is saying, will you submit and follow me? It's part of gentleness, power under control. We all know that Jesus didn't deserve to be humiliated, humiliated on the cross. He didn't deserve to have his clothes ripped off of his body. He didn't deserve to be spat upon. He didn't deserve to be humiliated and had a crown of thorns that were, that were made as a replica of a, of, of a crown and placed and pushed down upon his head. He didn't deserve any of that. Jesus never deserved death. But he took on death for you and for me. He became our sacrifice. Jesus humbled himself under the will of the Father. He had all power at any point to call down to heaven at that point. He could have called his angels down to rescue him at any point. But it was gentleness, the meaning of gentleness, power under control, because he was willing to submit for a greater purpose. He saw the greater purpose. There's times in our lives where, man, we just want to get that, like this morning. I knew I could use it as an illustration, though, so I just threw it on Facebook as well. I just, you know, why do you keep cutting me out of the picture? I put that up there. There's times where we just want to... Gentleness is power under control, restraint. Is there any area in your life where you need to relinquish control so that you can pursue the Father's will? Catch this thought. I, I say that sometimes, and when I say catch this thought, I want you to think about it, having a baseball glove on your hand. I just want you to catch this. 
Don't base your success on your awards and titles. Base your success on your obedience to God. The third step in practicing gentleness is this. Put others first. When you submit to God's will, the natural response will be to put others first. The Apostle Paul writes these words in Ephesians 4.2. He says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Make an allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Gentleness is showing consideration. It's having the ability to put yourself into another person's situation. It's being able to see where they maybe are coming from. It's being able to see their hurt in their life and not just think, man, you know, it's that, it's that scenario when my other area of self-control is when I'm behind a wheel, you know, when I'm driving down the road and many of you have the same issue, I know it, because there's too many bad drivers out there. I'm driving and someone, you know, all of a sudden speeds my being, cuts me off and man, I get, oh, why did that happen, you know, and, and, and you start getting upset. But what happens if we just took a moment and maybe put, try to put ourselves in that person's shoes. Maybe, maybe he's a, just a total jerk. I don't know. Okay, can I say that in church? Maybe I can. Anyhow, maybe he's just not a good, you know, just have, but maybe he's having a bad day. Maybe his wife is sick. Maybe they got a call from the school and he's having to go. Why don't we put ourselves in someone else's shoes and think maybe there's an issue there? And instead of losing self-control, when all of a sudden at that point we lose all the other qualities of this, the Spirit of God, Instead of doing that, when we practice self-control, all of a sudden we can take the mo- a time of moment and just pray for that person. But we don't do that because we've lost self-control. Self-control brings all the other qualities of God into our life if we remain in control of our spirit. And God has given you that ability through his spirit. It's showing patience and compassion for the faults of others and the needs of others. Remember, people are important to God. People are more important than any earthly possessions. God could care less about your possessions. I'm just telling you right now. He cares less about our possessions. God cares about people. He cares about people. Hang on. A parent, a parent who had, uh, I was thinking about it the other day, about God's care for people. A parent who has a child dying from a disease would be willing to give up anything and everything to save that child's life. If you had a, if you had a child that was dying of some type of, I mean, you, possessions, out the door. It wouldn't, now, think about this. God has that same perspective about his children which live on this earth, even the ones that you don't like. He, he has that perspective that, man, he would move mountains to have that child in heaven with him. He would do everything possible to be able to make that take place. And he's giving us these qualities, and you can think about them as tools. Yeah, they improve your own life, no doubt about it. But they're also tools and qualities that God wants us to use to impact the lives of others. There's times where we just need to practice gentleness. There's times where we just need to practice self-control because it opens up the opportunities of the other qualities in your life to be seen. It's the opportunity to point people to the truth. The Apostle Paul writes to 
his young protege Timothy who was a pastor Paul the older man writes to Timothy he says gently instruct those who oppose the truth gently don't go out there and just crush people because they don't understand who God is or who Christ is and, and go pick at something that that don't do that stuff it's I remember years ago I'm, I, I read a book by Andy Stanley and um, I'm trying to remember the name of the book right now but it's really his testimony about his life he grew up in a, a church that his dad pastored back way back in the 70s or 80s and he remembers that there was a um, a gay pride um, festival and it was marching right by their church man all the people of the church were just upset and they were all just frustrated and they didn't want them on their parking lot they didn't, and, he, and they were, he was listening to all these comments that was taking place and as a young man he was just like you know 20s early 20s something in his spirit was just getting checked why 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 are people responding this way and he was I think he was a youth pastor if I have the story right he's a youth pastor at that time so he decided to get all of his youth together and they bought a bunch of bottles of water and so when that parade came by they started out handing out bottles of water to everybody that was marching by and it frustrated some of the people why are you doing that because we're we're to display love and joy and peace see without self-control even as Christians or as we think we maybe are Christians maybe we, I'm not going to go down that subject as believers self-control puts us in a place where all of a sudden we think oh wait a minute maybe I should be an example of the fruit of the Spirit of love and joy and peace it changed his whole outlook on life and how he did ministry from that point forward it wasn't about hating people it was about loving people loving people where they're at not judging let God deal with all that just loving people bottom line practicing gentleness and self-control gives opportunity for God to use you to make a difference in the lives of others gives God the opportunity to use you to make a difference in the lives of others it's our vision statement creating environments to see what God can do through you we need to create an environment of self-control in our lives so that God can do greater things in and through our lives we need to create an environment of gentleness power under control where we can all of a sudden take situations and we can turn them around because we have a gentleness about us you might not be able to do it in your own strength but I'm telling you you can do it by the power of God relinquish control and give God the opportunity to work through your life amen Lord Jesus we thank you for your word today we thank you that your word does not return void it is powerful it is effective it divides between our bone and our flesh it enters in and it brings revelations to our heart maybe some here today Lord are dealing with things in their lives regarding self-control or gentleness they they said certain things this past week that they wish they wouldn't have said or maybe they did certain things that they shouldn't have done and they lacked the self-control in their life God I pray today that we would have an ability to surrender more and more of our life to you each and every day that Lord God the fruit of the Spirit will become more evident in us because God you have more and more control in us 
thank you for your word today, God. We thank you for your love today. If you're here today, heads bowed, eyes closed for just a minute. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Tom, man, this message, you're nailing it. For, just like nailing it for myself. That's an area of my life that I struggle with. The ability to have self-control or the ability just to be gentle in certain situations. And you desire more of this. You want, you want the self-control in your life. You want gentleness in your life. I just want to say a prayer because I believe that as we respond to God, God responds back. We have not because we ask not. If you want more self-control or gentleness in your life, just raise your hand real high. And we're going to say a prayer. God sees you. I don't just do this to, well, Pastor Tom, get, no, God, I do this because I know God sees us. And when he sees our humility and our humbleness and our willing to reach out, say, God, I want more of you. I believe that he hears and he answers our needs. Lord, you see the hands raised right now. And I pray over each person here today that, God, you would give us the ability to have more self-control in our life and more gentleness in our life. For, God, that you're, you would be more evident in us as we work with people, as we converse with people, as we, as we go through our daily life, that, God, the fruit of the Spirit would be evident in our life. And when problems come, when life gives us lemons, God, I pray that you give us the ability, Lord God, to respond rightly and goodly. I ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, God good? All the time, he is good. That was our last week in the When Life Gives You Lemons. We're starting it next week. We're starting a new series that I think is going to be exciting uh, for all of us to attend and be a part of. It's going to be a three-week series. But I hope you enjoyed this series, The Fruit of the Spirit. Uh, You can find all the different messages online if you want to through our church app or through iTunes. You can catch up on some of The Fruit of the Spirit if you'd like to do that. But God is good, and he, He continues to be good. He continues to be faithful. The cool thing about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, pain, all those things, those are attributes of God. Those are things that who God is. He cannot change. Those are the things that who He is. And as we receive more and more of God, those are things that all of a sudden we take on the same countenance of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. It's a good thing to practice in our lives. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.